My name's Isaac, and um, I'm going to be preaching this evening. And thank you. It's great to be here. Um, it's also great to see some sun-kissed faces looking back at me. I know I caught the sun a little bit yesterday, but who, who's ready for a bit of Bristol summer? Who's getting in the mood? Anyone? Yeah. What a time to be alive. Yes. Um, and a little show of hands. Who's, who's had their first barbecue of the year so far? Yeah, a few. Good few people. I, um, I participated in my first barbecue of the year just yesterday. A couple of sausages and a vegan burger. And um, it made me think, I've, I've tried my best to, to pick the microphone that doesn't have bacon juice all over it. So um, I think I'm doing all right there. Um, but I'm excited for summer. And here at St. Nick's, um, summer term means the start of a new sermon series. And what we're looking at uh, this summer term is what it means to go what it means to, to go and take our faith out of this building and live out our faith in the world, in our lives, around the people that we uh, do life with, the people that we meet. What does it mean to go? And this time, um, we're looking through the book of Joshua. We're thinking about what does it mean for us to, like Joshua, be strong and courageous as we join God on his mission. So... Before we get to our reading today, I want to do two things. The first one is a little caveat. I've got this really bad habit when I'm speaking of doing this the whole time. I, like, I step around and um, someone prayed for me earlier and they, didn't, they, they, they prayed that um, Jesus would be a firm foundation for me as, my, as I preach. And I just thought that was a little bit too literal. So if you see me doing this, I'll try and not fall over. Jesus is my firm foundation. But the second one is... Um, yeah, I just I want to give a bit of context to, to what we're going into um, today before we, before we get into the ins and outs of the passage. So Joshua is uh, it's a book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And although some of the, the ethics and the laws and the cultural context of the Old Testament might not be directly applicable to us today, it's still the same God that we worship in the Old Testament. And so there are truths there that through the Holy Spirit we can... God can speak to us today through the Old Testament. And I believe that he's going to do that today. And secondly, I think it would be good to just have a quick um, two-minute whiz through a bit of Bible history just to see where Joshua sits in this story of God. And so near the beginning of the Bible, we've got Abraham. You might have heard of him. Um, and God makes a promise to Abraham. He says that you will have many descendants and I'm going to build in your children a great nation that will be my presence on earth so that's God's promise to Abraham and so Abraham has a child who has some children and this kind of continues until there's a whole nation of thousands of these people um, who are God's people on earth and that's called Israel and Israel finds themselves trapped in another nation they're slaves in Egypt Egypt is the, the kind of the big powerhouse of the day, the empire of the day. And Israel is trapped within it. But God, remembering, remembering his promise to Abraham, calls a guy called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into freedom. And so um, after some, some pleading with the Pharaoh, some plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, Moses and the Israelites find themselves out of Egypt and into the desert en route to the promised land, this land that has been promised to Abraham. And so 
if we skip forward about 40 years or so, we find ourselves at the beginning of the sixth book. That was the kind of first five books of the Bible. We get to Joshua. It's kind of the sixth book of the Bible. And our reading today is at the very start of this book. So why don't you turn with me, um, get your phones out or Bibles, whatever you've got. Um, I'll give you a second. It's Joshua 1, book of Joshua. Joshua 1, 1 to 9, right at the very start. And we'll read it together. Joshua 1, 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm just going to pray as I start. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you're present with us. And we're expectant that you're going to speak to us this evening. And I ask Jesus that through your word, would you transform our hearts and our minds to, to look more like you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, some of you might know that I, I love skiing. And I have been previously partial to a skiing anecdote. And I'm, I'm going to do the same again, because they just preach super well. So, um, last year, uh, I went skiing uh, with Maddie and a couple of friends. And I'd skied before. But all of these guys um, hadn't skied before. So they were kind of beginners. Um, so what happened was the first few days, I'd kind of go off and do my thing and just get back into it, find my feet again. Um, but they were kind of learning for the first time. They were, had their skis on for the first time. They were just finding their feet, finding their confidence. But then a few days passed. Confidence was built. And we decided that it was a good idea for them to come off the nursery slopes and to, to try a blue run so this is like the next step this is the kind of beginner run and so me as the experienced skier um, was responsible for like kind of finding where would be a good place to go so I'd seen one on the map that looked quite fun and I, I thought right we'll go to this one so we got on the lift um, we kind of went up and um, we, we 
we kind of started to, to ski. On the lift, I'd been kind of assuring everyone that, you know, what they'd done so far, it's just, it's just the, like the next progression, it's the next step, it's all going to be fine. Um, and we, we kind of skied off the lift and then turned around this corner and we were at the top of this, this wall of death. It was honestly, it was, a, it was an ice wall. It was so steep. There was a cliff down the one side. There was lumps, there was bumps. The snow was awful. It was so icy. And I was standing there with Maddie at the top of this thing. Um, and I was just thinking, what have I got these guys into? Um, all, the, all the confidence that they've built up, all the amazing stuff that she's been doing to get over her fear of heights is just going to be completely shattered in this one confidence-crushing run. And so, yeah, I, I was starting to panic. I was kind of looking around for, for signs. I was checking the map, like, is this actually a blue run? I, chatting to people in my broken French, like, bleh, like bleh, is, this, is this it? Um, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, it's blue run and blah, blah, blah. And um, so there we were, standing at the top. And Maddie was standing there looking down, thinking, I can't do this. I, I don't have the skills, I don't have the capacity to, to get down here. It's, it's too much. And then I, I kind of, I saw in my periphery, I saw a sign um, halfway down, which said just the French word that I needed, facile, which means easy. And I looked a little bit further and I saw that kind of off the side of this super steep wall of death was a lovely winding soft snow, kind of easy, kind of little side path, an alternative route that the beginners were intended to go down so they didn't have to face death. Um, and this, um, this kind of made me think about this when I was writing this talk. Um, I wonder if anyone can relate to that feeling of Maddie, perhaps not at the top of a ski slope, but facing something in life and looking at it and thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. I do not have the capacity, the ability to deal with this. We see in the passage Joshua um, is in a similar situation. In the Bible reading it said that he's, um, he's at the, the River Jordan. This is, this is a, a big river that stands between him and the Israelites and the land that they have to get to on the other side. Maybe you hear something um, like the Great Commission, the words of Jesus to us in Matthew, which is to, to go and make disciples of every nation. Um, you hear this grand thing, and you think, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. The good news is that we don't have to. We don't have to do it on our own. And what I'd love to, to draw out of this passage today is that when, when God commissions us for his mission, it's not about what we can do for him, but it's all about what he can do through us. When God commissions us for his mission, it's not about what we can do in our strength, but it's what he's going to do through us in his strength. But first, let's just talk about this word commissioned. What, what does that even mean? You might think about um, the, the coronation that we had last weekend, where... King Charles was, um, he's, he's had this, this future in his life, for his whole life. He was born destined to be king. And then just last weekend, he was finally commissioned to be the leader of our country. He was commissioned to lead. You may have also seen, um, I think we've got a picture of it on the screen. There was a, 
uh, a coronation emblem here. You may not have, you may have no idea what this is, but um, uh, for the coronation, an, an artist uh, called Johnny, Johnny Ive was, was commissioned by the royal family. He was asked or he was sent to, to cre create, to design this, this emblem to mark the occasion. And here in this passage, um, we see God also doing some commissioning. Moses is dead. It tells us that right at the start of the passage. Moses is gone. And God is in the business of, he's got to find the person who's going to lead the people. He's got to find the person to commission, to lead the Israelites. And I wonder if, um, if, if you were in this situation, if, if you were God in this situation, how you would go about choosing who the next leader would be. Um, I know I might think about the physical attributes of people, maybe it's, it's quite a kind of military environment, so I might, you know, get people to engage in some kind of test of strength or some kind of fight to see who's the victor. Or you might think about um, wisdom, you might, you might want people to, to kind of give in a, a CV of their experience or to, to submit a, a paper describing why they, why they are qualified to, to lead. You might think about kind of family lineage, lineage. You might um, think about who's, who's destined, who's the next in line to, to lead the people. These are all kind of the ways that we might think about how a leader should be chosen. But you'll notice in the commissioning of Joshua, none of these things even come into it. God doesn't choose Joshua to be the leader because of his ability, his qualifications, or his experience. Joshua has plenty of it. He's, he's been Moses' sidekick for like his whole life. Um, he's an amazing military leader. He's, he's brave. He's faithful. Um, he's wise. He's got all the qualifications, but that's not what God's looking at. When God commissions Joshua, it's all about what God's going to do through him. And this is shown really well by, there's a little known fact that Joshua actually has uh, a name change in his life. So, um, names were very important in the culture of the time. Um, they, they're not just kind of like what we have, which is just an identifier of a person, but they almost encapsulate all of who a person is, is in a person's name. It expresses the, the identity of the person. So when, um, when Joshua first pops up in this story, his name is actually Hoshea, which means salvation. So the name which Joshua carries, what encapsulates who he is as a person from, from a really early age is salvation. But then um, about partway through the story, he's given a new name, Joshua, his, his name that we know him as. And although it's very similar, it has a slightly different meaning. So his name changes from salvation to the Lord is salvation. So that's what Joshua means, the Lord is salvation. And so even in his name, even from his, his birth and his early years, um, Joshua is salvation. But he knows, standing here at his commissioning, that although he is the leader of the people, he's not the deliverer. Although he's the, the guide of the Israelites, he's not the giver. And so even though Moses has gone, even though the old leader is dead, Joshua is actually still the sidekick in this story. God is the main character. And um, 
God, from this main character role, speaks to Joshua. Um, And you might have noticed something that was repeated in the passage. I don't know if anyone picked up on it. But three times, um, God says to Moses, be strong and courageous. And when, um, when we see something repeated in the Bible, it's generally a sign that it's something worth paying attention to. And so when, when he says, be strong and courageous, he's not talking about being strong and courageous in Joshua's strength. He doesn't say, um, Joshua, be strong and courageous, and I'll kind of just leave you to it. It's your strength. No. What he says, and I think this is kind of the heart of what I think God wants to say to us this evening too, is that each time God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, he also backs it up with a reason, which is exactly why Joshua should trust in God's strength and not his own. So he says, be strong and courageous. um, And he backs it up with God, God gives him his promises God says, be strong and courageous, and then he gives him his plans. And God says, be strong and courageous, and then he gives him his presence. And these same themes for us today, as we join in with God's mission, um, these same things are the same. So God wants us to be strong and courageous as we step into his promise, as we follow his plan, and as we go with his presence. And so let's just look at the first one of those. Step into God's promise. Let's have a little look at um, verse 6 in the Bible. Uh, It says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. And we find our strength and courage as we step into God's promise. What Joshua was being commissioned to do was something which God had promised to Abraham ages ago. We heard it earlier in in a little run-through of the Bible. It was an old promise. And the people of Israel were to be God's people on earth. They were to be his physical presence um, on earth. And what this required at the time was they needed some land. They needed a place to live and set up their kingdom. But the problem was that this land where they were meant to be was on the, on the other side of the Jordan River. So a whole nation had to cross across the river. The other problem was that the land was full of enemies. It was full of people who were much stronger, uh, much better fighters, much better prepared than Israel was, on paper at least. And there was no way that Joshua could stand there and look across and think that he was going to be able to do this in his own strength. It was just too much. But in God's words to him, when God says, you will lead these people to inherit the land, there's no doubt in that. There's no conditions or qualifications. You will lead these people to inherit the land. It's a promise. And Joshua can find his strength in this promise as he believes it to be true. But the thing about trust is it's, it's not enough to just believe a promise theoretically. It's not enough to just believe something in our head. Um, It's it's something that needs to translate into action. Trust requires a response. And this is where we start to see why we need to step into God's promises. I don't know if any of you have seen um, 
I'm I'm not on TikTok, but I am on Instagram. So I get I get TikTok about two weeks later than what it actually is. But there's um there's people who kind of go around with a mic like this, and they're kind of on the street talking to people. And um, I saw one of these, and it's it's a person who is kind of going around talking to couples. And just I I don't condone this. I think it's I think it's actually awful, but it makes a good point. But um, he goes up to couples and he says, um, we're we're doing a bit of an interview, like. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then he gets to a question, and he says to one of them, do you trust your partner? And they say, absolutely, of course I do. I trust my partner. And he says to the other one, do, do you trust your partner? And they say, yeah, of course I do. And then he says, okay, well, shall we prove it? Get your phone out and let your partner have a look through the DMs, the Snapchats. Um, let's prove it. Again, invasion of privacy. Don't agree with it, but... Um, and the, the person so often is just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not up for that. Um, and I think whatever you think about that, the, it makes the point that it, it shows that, that it's one thing to trust someone in your mind, to have trust in the head. But trust is really proven when it translates into action. We see this in Joshua. Verse 3 is another version of God's promise. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Notice that it's every place that Joshua sets his foot. It's not every place that Joshua thinks that God's going to give him. It's not something in his head. It's a physical thing of Joshua has to step into God's promise to see it fully realized in his life. He can trust in his head, but he doesn't really act out that trust until he steps into the promise. Joshua has to physically step into God's promise. And the same is true for us. Although, although God might not promise us land or um, military victory over our physical enemies or wealth or any of these kind of things, he does make us promises. Jesus promises things to us through his word that we can accept today. And there's a whole, there's a whole other sermon somewhere about the promises of Jesus to us, but I wanted to just take, um, just pause for a moment here and just take a moment to just call to mind one promise that you can think of that God makes to us. So we'll just take a second, just think of one thing that Jesus promises to us. As we think about what God is commissioning us to do, we can stand strong and courageous like Joshua because we can trust that God always comes through on his promises. Whatever you thought of um, in that moment and all the other promises that Jesus makes to us, he's never failed. He, he, he's never failed and he's not going to start. But we too won't see that until we step into them. We'll never find out the reality of God's promise in our lives until we walk the walk, until we step into the promises which God has for us. And so there's always an element of trust um, uh, and faith needed when we, when we step into God's promises. But it's not blind faith. So why don't we look at how God gives us a plan 
to be able to step into his promise. So this is the next, um, the next strong and courageous that we find in verse 7. So verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So we find our strength and courage as we follow God's plan. For, um, for mine and Maddie's honeymoon, we were very lucky to be able to go on a little road trip around California, which was just a dream. And um, we, we did a lot of planning for this, obviously. We, we probably did more planning, maybe, yeah, we did more planning for this than we did for the actual wedding, um, which maybe says something, I don't know. But... Um, we, we, we planned it all out, and the, the plan was we'd kind of go to a hotel for a few days, we'd drive out into the mountains, we'd stay in a cabin, we'd do loads of walking, Yosemite National Park, waterfalls, all that good stuff. And um, then we'd kind of drive around, and we'd come down to L.A., and we'd do the city, we'd eat the food, we'd drink the coffee, we'd just explore there. But then I had the great idea that in true kind of American road trip style, we needed to have a few days of kind of spontaneity where we'd kind of travel up the Route 1, we were going back up to San Francisco um, for like three days. We, we weren't going to book anything, we weren't going to plan anything, we were just going to kind of drive and rock up, see where we ended up, and, um, and just experience, you know, true freedom, absolute road trip vibes. And this um, is something that sounded like the dream on paper. This is very much, this is probably my personality type, to be honest. Like, this is something that I think of in my head, and then in reality, it doesn't turn out too good. Um, but the reality is that we're on a very tight budget. California is a very popular place, and we spent about 90% of those three days either driving to a place or driving around that place trying to find a hotel that was within budget for the night. And so our experience of freedom and spontaneity um, was not quite what I hoped it would be. And I, I very much um, learned a lesson through that, that sometimes, most of the time, it's a good idea to have a plan. And when it comes to our lives with God, we also need a plan. But praise Jesus, we don't have to make those plans ourselves. He gives us the promise, but God also gives us the plan. And we see this in Joshua. God tells Joshua, um, be careful to obey my law. And when the Old Testament talks about law, um, the word that's used there is Torah. That's the word that's used. And we sometimes translate it as law, but it's actually, um, it also means kind of guidance and teaching. And I think these things probably are more of a, a better understanding for us today. So we might translate it as um, be careful to obey all the direction and guidance that Moses gave you. Be careful to follow the plan that Moses gave you. And what this looked like for Joshua was to live according to the Ten Commandments, um, to the, the commands and laws and guidance that God had given through Moses, basically like the first five books of the Bible. That was what he had to go off. Um, but for us, we have the benefit of the whole Bible We've got the whole of the Old Testament, the New Testament, which is God's kind of living and breathing word to us, which can transform us, which can challenge us, which can comfort us, which can guide us. And not only that, but um, we believe that Jesus is the word. 
we believe that in Jesus is um, is all of the all of the guidance and teaching of God is expressed in Jesus, and so we can we can follow Him. So for us to be strong and courageous as we follow God's plan, what that looks like for us is to follow the Bible and to follow Jesus. So we follow God's plan, and lastly, we go with God's presence. That's the last encouragement. We find our strength and our courage as we go with God's presence. Verse 9, this is the last, be strong and courageous. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And this concept of um, the Lord being with Joshua is not something that's new to him. It's almost a a reminder or an encouragement to just continue in that because Joshua and the Israelites have got such a long list of all the ways that God has been with them as um, as they've been through the desert, as they've fought enemies, as they've escaped from Egypt. Like There's so many ways that God has worked in the lives of Joshua and been with them as they travel. One example of this is in Exodus. So this is before Joshua was the leader. This is where Joshua's like Moses' sidekick, and um, Moses is pretty old at this point, Um, so he's like up on a hill somewhere, kind of calling the shots from up there, doing that strategy kind of thing, and Joshua is like the younger guy, he's the the strong military leader, so he's on the front line, um, and they're coming up against these guys called the Amalekites, and they're very strong, they're very big, they're very scary, and what they quickly discover is that in their own strength, the Israelites cannot win this fight. They're losing, they're getting battered, they're coming back and back and back. And so Moses goes to God and he says, help me, God. And God says, Moses, as you, as you lift up your hands, you might have heard this one at like Sunday school or something, as you lift up your hands with your staff in it, um, I will give you victory. As long as your hands are raised above your head, I will give you victory over the Amalekites. And so Moses lifts his hands up and lo and behold, the, the Israelites start winning. They're pushing the Amalekites back. But then Moses gets tired, and so he drops his hands. And again, we see the, the Amalekites start winning. The Israelites start losing. So this is where like, two of Moses' other leaders come, and they, like, they hold his hands up above his head because Moses doesn't have the strength to do it himself. His, his friends, his leaders come and hold his hands up. And the, the Israelites win the war. They win the battle, and they're victorious. And... This is, the, the, the point of this is, it's a picture of how the source of power for God's people was his presence with them. It's never in their own strength, it's always in God's presence. After all this had happened, God tells Moses, this is, this is a quote from just after that, write this on a scroll as something to be rem- remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. So God's telling Moses to make sure that Joshua hears about what has happened on this hill. Because Joshua was kind of, he was in the thick of it. He was on the front line and he was just fighting away. He may not have known exactly what was happening, the way that God was powerfully moving to give him victory over the people. But even at this time before Joshua was the leader, God knew that this was an important lesson for him to learn. God knew that his, his presence um, was what was what was making the Israelites win, and that Joshua needed to know this. And here, as as Joshua stands at his commissioning, God is reminding him of this time and so many other times 
that it's been his presence that has been the power that has given them victory. The power that has brought them through. The power that has brought them success. And so as Joshua thinks about yet another seemingly impossible task, as he stands with his nation, looking out across this river, looking at the enemies that he must defeat, God wants to make sure that, God, that Joshua knows that it's God's presence and power that will cause him to succeed. Joshua is to be strong and courageous because of God's presence with him wherever he went. And just like how Joshua could kind of recall all these times when God was with him, we too can call to mind the times when we've experienced God's powerful presence in our lives. Some of you might be kind of new to Christianity or just exploring or something, and um, you might be thinking, well, I, I can't think of times like that. But um, we, just last week, we heard Alpha testimonies of the amazing way that God had powerfully yet gently met with people and through that relationship, through experiencing his presence, had transformed them into a new person, had made them able to do things which they never thought themselves able to do. And for us tonight as well, we can, even if for the first time, we can experience God's presence here. I mean, I think I, I experienced God's presence earlier in worship. I've already had a bit, but we want more. We, we, it's not wrong to ask for more of God's presence in our lives. But the great news for us is that what Joshua experienced in part, we can experience in full. Jesus promises that each and every one of us can have a relationship with God. He promises that each and every one of us can experience the Holy Spirit. He promises that each and every one of us can experience the power of the Spirit to see us through whatever we're facing, to be our comforter and our encourager and our power. In Acts 1.18, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we, we might look to our, our great commission as Christians. We might hear those words in Matthew 28 that Jesus speaks to his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We might hear that and we might forget to read the next sentence which says, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That same promise that God made to Joshua to be with him through all of it, he makes to us to be with us to the end of the age. And so as we live out our great commission, as we go, we too experience God's presence with us. So we're commissioned for a mission and God gives us his promises, God gives us his plans and God gives us his presence that we can have strength, that we can have courage in him. As I've been writing this, um, I've, I've been convicted myself um, about the times in my life where I have tried to do things in my own strength rather than God's. The times when I've kind of made business decisions or made plans and strategies for ministry without kind of first coming to God in prayer the times when I've been too quick to try and solve it on my own, rather than ask God like what he wants to do, 
in me in this situation. And we'll often say to each other, and like I'll, I'll say to myself, um, kind of words of comfort, like we, we don't have to do it in our own strength. We can do it in God's strength. And this is true, but I, I felt convicted by the Spirit that I, I cannot do it in my own strength. It's not just that I, I don't have to. It's that I can't do it in my own strength, and I must not do it in my own strength. I don't want to limit what God is going to do through me because of depending on my own means. I want to let him work in me and through me, through his presence, and give me his strength. And this is, this is the essence of what God wants to say to us tonight. We're not told to be strong and courageous because of what we've done, because of our qualifications, because of our experience, because of our own strength. But Jesus is with us. And in Jesus, we find the promises, we find the plans, and we find his presence, which gives us strength in him. And so just like Joshua led Israel into the land to be God's presence there, so too we are called, we are commissioned by Jesus to be his presence in our world. And he gives us everything we need for this mission. We just need to choose to let him. So why don't we, um, why don't we do that? Why don't we stand? Um, can I invite you to stand? And I'd love to just respond to this in prayer. Why don't the band come up and um, why, don't, Hats, why don't you join me as well and we'll, we'll pray into this. Yeah, why don't you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you that, um, that you are present with us, not just in a kind of theoretical, faraway sense, but in a real and tangible way, Jesus, you are present with us. And that includes this moment right now. Jesus, you're here. And through your spirit, you want to meet with us. Give us an experience of your presence and your power. And God, we just we say that we're open to you. We come to you um, with open hearts and open ears to to hear what you're saying and be shaped by it. 